Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So we have been in Lubbock for over, well, close to 20 years. And I think the only ones that have been closest to us is Sophie and Yvonne, and they're only six months behind us. And over the years, since moving to Lubbock, we have made several, and when I say several, we've made several road trips back to New Mexico because our family was there. When we left New Mexico, my dad was still alive, and Natalie still had her parents, and of course her parents are still there. Um, but we would often go back and we would see how family was doing. Um, we'd like to go in and spend time with them and, and see how they were doing and, and try to split between both times. And, and as I was studying Ecclesiastes chapter 7, it reminded me of a memory, of a memory going back to New Mexico. And I remember going back and, and we were going back for a visit, but something uniquely happened. You go, what was that? Well, before I tell you, most of you know that my mom died when I was 18 months old. So my dad raised me from that time. And thinking back to a time um, when Nathalie and I went to visit, I was reminded of this memory because of the text we're in, because of Ecclesiastes chapter 7. The scenario was almost exactly what we were going to talk about. You go, what do you mean? Well, I remember walking in, we drove up, and um, you, you got to remember, back in the day, this was, my, my dad didn't carry a cell phone. We didn't text him, we're coming over or anything. He just kind of showed up. And I remember at our house, we would always walk in through the kitchen door. The front door was there, but nobody ever used the front door. We'd sort of use the side door in the kitchen. And I remember walking in, and... Basically, he, it was it was so it was so amazing. He was about 81 at the time, and he could he could hardly walk at that point. Not because he was old at 81, but because he had fallen down. And when he had fallen, he really hurt his back. And so he's sitting there, and 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 it's hard to see when our parents get old. It's hard to see that it just breaks our heart because you once saw them as strong and vibrant, and they were your heroes and everything. And so here's. Here's my, here's my father, the, grand, the kids come in, and, and, and so we see him, and, and, and there he is. And, and uh, so, of course, we're, we, we made the trip back to make sure he was okay. Now, I always, always looked up to my dad. And let me tell you one of the fondest memories that I would have of my father. The fondest memory I would have is he would tell stories, and at the time, I didn't appreciate him. My dad would tell stories, and he would mention every single detail, and I'd be so frustrated. I'd be like, get to the point. Because I'm, I'm a young teenager, and, but dad would tell stories. He would sit and tell. And I went to the store, and I had to buy milk and eggs, and I'm like, I don't care. What was the point? And now I miss them. And what we would do for, for a story from our parents. Well, back to the memory I remember. Um, I remember going in and, and my dad sitting at the kitchen table. And as we come inside, you know, we, a light knock, we come in and his face just lights up. His face just lights up and his eyes seem a little brighter. 
You know, as people get old and they get really tired, they're, they sort of dim in their eyes. And his eyes grew a little bit brighter. And he looks at us, he says, what are you doing here? For he knows that it's a five-hour trip from Lubbock, Texas to go to Santa Fe. I mean, it's, it's not just, hey, we're going to go down the road or we're going to, we were, happen to be in the neighborhood and we're visiting you. And, and he says, what are you doing here? And he says, oh, he used to sit there and smile. And he said, oh, I'm so glad you guys came. And then after the initial formalities, you know, well, how are you? How's the, and, 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 you know, and you guys know the story. The grandkids would come running in, and the same thing happens to my house, and that's probably where I got it. The grandkids would come in, and, and both Tolly and Miranda would look at me like with this smug look, like Grandpa's in charge now. <laughs> and he'd go, and so they would look at me, and they'd look at him, and they'd look at me, and they'd look at him, and they'd say, Grandpa, we're thirsty. You know what that meant. Well, Grandpa didn't. Grandpa had water, but that's not what they wanted. And we'd look at him, and they, and they just smile. And Grandpa, what do you want me to go? Whatever you want. And so they'd walk out with Sprite and Coke, and they're having a blast. And me and Ethel are going, oh. So they loved Grandpa. Grandpa would do that. Now I'm not that easy with Cordy or Bubba. You know, this is, I'm a little more stricter. But uh, no, um, you guys know he comes in here. He runs to my office. He knows where the candy is, and. I'm probably going to be Grandpa Chocolate. I don't know, but that's, that's Bubba. So after the formalities, how you been? Do you need anything? What's going on? Dad would sit there and he'd offer us a cup of coffee. But he'd offer us a cup of coffee. It would be black, no cream, no sugar. Okay, that was Grandpa. And then we would sit and he would, um, at the table, he'd begin to share his wisdom about life. He would do that in sort of quick, short facts. And I remember sitting there astonished, thinking, wow, he talked about life, the things that he learned. We'd go back as far as army days. We'd go back, and then it'd move into people. He would tell us people who have died, relatives who are sick, all of that stuff. You'd be listening, wow, and, and did you know, you didn't know your auntie so-and-so, and, 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 and he would tell us. And then he would talk in wisdom about the past, and he would talk about the future. And of course, it always, it always went into religion, but not in the bad way where you talk about religion and, oh, no, let's not talk about politics or religion because people get mad. No, he, he would always talk about God. My dad always used to say to me, life is like a vicious circle. He always would say that. He says it comes around and it keeps going, and that's how life is, and I'll never forget him saying that. And if we took time to listen to the wisdom from my dad or grandpa, if you will, we would always grow to be more joyful and be more satisfied. One thing my dad used to tell me, and maybe, maybe your parents are like this, is as he got older, he would look at us and he'd say, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to offend you. He says, but don't bring me anything. He says, I don't need any more stuff. He said this, and I quote, if you do, I will set it outside and let someone take it. And I was like, wow. So, so my dad didn't care about stuff. You know, my father had reached the age of whatever it might be, and they realized that they didn't need anything. And all they wanted to see was their kids and their grandkids, and they wanted to spend time with them. Now, the reason I share that story with you is simply because Solomon in chapter 7 
he does the exact same thing here for us. In a, in a way, you could picture Solomon getting older, and he's going to invite us in, if you will, under the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to invite us in, and he's going to have us over for coffee, black, no cream or sugar. He's going to invite us in, and he's going to share his wisdom. That's what he's doing tonight. You and I, on a Wednesday night at Calvary, are going to have coffee with Grandpa. Grandpa Solomon, if you will. But before we jump into his wisdom, let's backtrack for just a moment. I want to remind you that Solomon has been doing an experiment for us that we need to pay attention to. He's doing an experiment for us because it goes way beyond our capabilities. And if you haven't been with us, here's what's happened so far. Solomon is the king of Israel. And he's going to use his wealth. He's going to use his power that is beyond what any of us can fathom. And you'll see pretty quickly how true this is to see if there's anything worthwhile under the sun. Anything that would bring satisfaction. Anything that would bring just that, ah. So he's going to test all that you and I pursue. And he's going to come back and let us know if there's any real value to it. You see, you and I, we come in and we go this. Listen, here's my life. I'm evaluating my life. And I think I would be really satisfied if I had, and then you could mention whatever it might be. I would be really, and we, we use the term happy and satisfaction sort of synonymous. They're not, but keep this in mind. I'd be really happy if I just had, and we could, it could be stuff, it could be houses, it could be, you name it, but it could also be, it could also be people. Oh, if I was only, if I only had this, if I only was, if, oh, that would be the one for me. And, 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 and so Solomon comes and he goes, no, 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 I've, I've actually tried it all. And he says, he says, there is. I'm going to see if there's any real value to it. As part of his quest for the good life, King Solomon examined everything from the sublime to the ridiculous. In this, oh, I don't know, this great laboratory of life, he experimented with one thing after another always applying the wisdom that God had given him. And that's important to know. Even though he's experimenting, he always kept his wits about him. This is why I'm doing it. Under the power, if you will, of the Holy Spirit and and the wisdom that God has given him. So now we come to chapter 7. And Solomon is going to share, in part, some of the wisdom he has seen under the sun. And once again, I've entitled this message, Coffee with Grandpa. For today, we discover some really sobering facts about life. So before we jump into our study, we need to note the purpose of Ecclesiastes. Number one, I would like you to ask yourself, under the quietness of your breath, are you satisfied with your life? Are you satisfied with your life? And again, remember, satisfaction and happiness are not synonymous. They're both very different. Are you satisfied? Now, now labor with me for just a moment. Because I did some research wanting to know if people are satisfied in their life. Now, I didn't pull anybody from church. This was just those 
in the internet. And here was the question. How many people are satisfied with where they are in their lives and what the reasoning is behind their answer? Are they satisfied with their life? Notice number one. Here's the number one answer. Not number one in order, just number one on my text. It says, I'm satisfied where I am in life. I don't make a millions, but my job isn't too stressful. I've been divorced, but now I have a wonderful wife. I have been gutted by losing a child, but I've been blessed by three healthy, intelligent children. My car starts the first time every time. I have food in my house and money in the bank account. Anything else is just more icing on the cake. Hmm. Seems somewhat satisfied. How about this one, number two? I don't do drugs. I would never touch them. I know they wreck your life, but I'm still not satisfied. Maybe because I'm still young at the age of 19, I still have lots of dreams to achieve. The perfect wife, financially independent, couple of kids, supporting family and friends, luxury goods and lifestyle, and right now I don't have any of those. I'm not going to kill myself over it, but I will fight the obstacles and achieve my goals before the age of 30. Until then, I'm not fully satisfied. Hopefully, I'm half satisfied throughout my journey. Yes, I know I need, to, I need the full package in my life to be happy. I've had a rough childhood, so I'm strong in what I do. 19. Number three, he says, I'm learning to be satisfied. He said, Paul wrote, quote, I've learned to be content in whatever my situation. All I know is I'm here for a reason, and God knows the reason. So, I plan my way, but the Lord directs my steps. Last one satisfaction hmm i think i'm there i don't want for anything from anyone i believe i have all i could ever hope for a loving family friends a job a full-time education which keeps me mentally challenged at all times i'm not sure if anyone is ever totally satisfied with the world because anyone with two brain cells would always wish um, for aids to be abolished etc but satisfaction with oneself is achievable. Yes, right now, the weather is yucky. But I'm not any kind of God, so I can't change that. And I, this I just accept. I think acceptance of what your faults and highlights of yourself are is the first step to satisfaction. You can't be satisfied until you accept that you, there are ups and downs to everything and the downs you can't usually change. Bad things happen. But roll with them, and perhaps that's the road to satisfaction. Those are the questions and the answers. Now, with that as our intro, let's jump in to Ecclesiastes. If you're taking note, point number one, jot this down. Wisdom can help make life better. Okay? Now, here's what he's going to tell us. In verses 1 to 10, you ready? Sorrow is better than laughter. Kleenex is better than confetti. You go, he's going to say that? Yeah, look at verse 1 with me, guys. Ecclesiastes 7.1 says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. Now, we have to break this down. We have to unpack it, because if you look at this, you're going to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, what did Solomon just say? Well, let's, let's go back and let's break it down. Solomon says, a good name is better than precious ointment. If you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word for ointment because it really just means expensive perfume. That's what it means. 
expensive perfume, you smell really, really, really good. Okay? The New Living Translation says it like this. A good reputation is more valuable than the most expensive perfume. A, a good reputation. Now, here's what I want you to see. It's noteworthy to see this in, in, in the Hebrew here, guys, it's sort of like a joke or a play on words. Because there's only one letter difference in name and ointment in the Hebrew. So Solomon is saying right here, there are things that can make you more physically attractive. There are things you can do. You go, oh yeah? Well, well like what? Well, things that you can improve yourself are things like, hey man, I can go to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out. I'm going to pump some iron. I'm going to get, get, get buff. I'm gonna, you know, you could do that. There, you could go in, in, into, in, and get tanned. You could say, man, listen, I, I want to have dark skin and, and I'm going to look attractive with tanning. Or you could do the teeth whitening or you could get some of the most expensive haircuts. You understand that? You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can buy the right clothes. Okay, you can buy clothes that, I mean, you could do all of this. You could wear cologne, uh, you could wear perfume, and man, it just makes you smell good. Everybody's like, man, you smell good. But in the end, here's what Solomon is saying. Solomon says, really, who cares? Who cares? He goes, what do you mean, who cares? He goes, how good you look or smell at the end of the day when your name is mentioned and people roll their eyes. That's what he's telling us. So outwardly, we can look good. We can dress fine. You know, um, a funny story. Um, I'm not up to date with all of the terms that people say now. I mean, my granddaughter's telling me stuff. I'm like, wait, what? So your fashion is now called a drip. Did you know that? This is, yeah. And I'm like, what? Wait, what? When did this change? So Solomon is saying, your drip looks so good that all your friends are wet. No, I made that up. That's me. <laughs> but he's saying at the end of the day, honestly, here's what it is. What's on the inside is better than what's on the outside. Wow. Wow. What's better, it's what's, what's on the inside. Man, it's far better than what's on the outside. Many of you may or may not have been to Universal Studios. If you've ever gone to Universal Studios, you see that a lot of the props that, they, that we see on TV that look like real houses and real, real they're, they're, just, they're just props. They're just, you, you can't go behind them. In other words, if you went to Universal Studios and you thought you were going to go into the, 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 the very neighborhood that Marty McFly went into, in Back to the Future, and you realize it's just a cardboard cutout and there's nothing behind it, that's exactly what Solomon's saying. You look good on the outside, but there's no depth in your heart. There's nothing in between. There's no rooms, guys. There's no, it's, you, you just walk through the door and you go, wait a minute, I'm back outside. And you go, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been there. I, I've seen that. That's a, it's called a prop, Ben. It's called a prop. But here's, here's the thing. If your life is a prop, Grandpa Solomon says, who cares? Who cares if your life is a prop if there's no depth in your heart? And that's great application for us. 
He says a name, a name is better than precious ointment. A good reputation is far better. A man with a deep soul, a man or woman who's deep on the inside, ah, oh, that's better. That's better. The outside is going to fade, isn't it? Things are going to droop. Gravity is going to take hold of us, and one day we won't look how we used to look. But what's inside is what really matters. And that's why when you find the one you're looking for to marry, you look beyond... I mean, yes, she's got to be attractive to you, okay? That's, let's, just, let's just be honest, okay? But, <laughs> but what's on the inside is really what's what you fall in love with. And when you see Jesus inside, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I sometimes look at my beautiful bride and realize, wow, we, we, we've been together 35 years. And that she doesn't look, that she's still as beautiful as ever, but she doesn't look the same as we did 35 years ago. And I'm sure she looks at me and goes, who's that old man in my bathroom? You know, I'm just like, yeah, I'd like to know that too. But no, I mean, and we talk about this. We talk about this. And because Nathalie had a bout with cancer, we talked about, about hey, would, would you remarry? We, I don't know if you've ever had that conversation, but, you know, we've, we've had that. Con- would you remarry if something happened to me? And, of course, she's telling me that I have to because I have to be taken care of. And I said, well, if something happened to me, would you remarry? And she says, I don't want some old man in my house. So she's like, no. And, and I believe her. <laughs> I believe her. Why did you tell us? No reason. It has nothing to do with our Bible study, just so you guys know. So Solomon tells us, look, a good name is better than precious ointment. But he also says something very interesting. And the day of death, the day of one's birth. Now, think about what Solomon just said. He said to you and I, you know what is better than birth? Dying. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine, Tiffany, inviting Solomon over to your house for dinner and him sitting there, and this is the topic of a conversation. You know what, Tiffany, it's better to die than to be born. And you're just like, oh my God, Jasper, go in the room. We can't handle this. This is, this, he's too much. No, 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 no. Think about what he said. And, and right here, you're like, this, Solomon, you're losing it, dude. You're losing it, man. You partied too much. You had too much. Uh, but I think he's on to something. And you go, well, how so? How so? Well, here's what you need to know. Solomon is not contrasting birth and death. He's not saying, hey, one's better than the other. Nor is he suggesting it's better to die than to be born. He was contrasting two significant human experiences. You go, what do you mean? Okay, okay, here's the thing. He says, when you're born, it's all about potential. It's about potential and, and the what-ifs of life, okay? You, you, you remember when you hold the little one, you're like, oh, wow, you got such a great life. Wow, but death, here's what he's saying about death. He said, for the believer... It's all about fulfillment. Okay, thank you, Joe. Amen. But, but, but listen, wait, there's more. Think about this for a second. Think about this for a second, okay? 
what kind of perspective do we have as believers? For you and me, see, death is simply a part of life in which we get the ultimate fulfillment. But for you and I, it should never be, honestly, regret on the day of death. Oh, I wish I should have. Man, why did I? Oh, that should not be us. And time keeps moving very, very fast that we cannot slow it down. Before you know it, you find yourself in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s, in your 70s, in your 80s, and it's moved so fast But the one thing you won't want to do is you don't want to go through life and be like, well, I should have. And he's going, no, no, no. It's all about for us the fulfillment, the joy and the peace and everything we can have up until the ultimate fulfillment. That's what he's saying. Man, listen, we should be excited to die. Not that we have a death wish, but we should be excited. Wow! First and foremost, we shed these bodies that are breaking. Put them in the ground already. I'm ready to be free. You know, things hurt for no reason at all. And the young ones here going, what are you talking about? Wait, just wait a few years. You'll know. I was just like you. You guys are crazy. But no, I mean, you hurt yourself turning over in bed. (laughs) How did you hurt yourself? Oh, I just turned over. (laughs) You hear your back crack. Oh, it's the truth. That's what happens with age. But, but the ultimate fulfillment, man, is like we should, be, we should be excited. Oh, yes, Lord, one day, one day we're going to see you. Let me say this too. The ultimate fulfillment, guys, you ready? Honestly, work hard. Promise me you'll work hard. Be in the moment. Be in the moment. Because the devices that we have in our hands rob us of those moments. I'm with you right there. I'm with you right there. What am I going to, what, what are you going to miss? What are you going to, no, right here, right here. Whether you play golf with a friend or you have lunch or you're having coffee, whatever it might be, work hard, church, to be in the moment so you don't go, man, you know what I would, you know what I wish? I wish I had put my phone down when my kids were little. I wish I would have just spent more time on the floor rolling around. If you have kids and you have older kids, you know exactly what we're talking about. They grow up so fast. They grow up so fast. And fulfillment for us. And this is what he's saying. Now, I know that some folks might argue with Solomon. But listen, as a believer in Christ, we are... Not only are we fulfilled here as we walk with him, but think about this. You are most satisfied when God is most glorified in your life. But when we've been gifted with so much in this life, and death only means that we're even more alive. I love what Pastor Chuck used used to say. Pastor Chuck used to say, one day you're going to hear that I've died. Don't believe him. He said, I'll never be more alive than on that day. And we miss it, guys, because we get so focused here on earth. We miss it. 
the believer is fulfilled in death. Let's move on. Verse 2. He says, Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. Now let's break this down. Again, we're, having, we're, having, we're sitting there with Grandpa. We're having coffee, and Solomon just said, um, Wait a minute, what? Solomon had just advised us um, people to look, to, the, to look death in the face and learn from it. He says, but let's not be preoccupied by it, but learn from it. Learn from it. You see, there's a danger that people might try to avoid confrontations with the reality of death. And as a result, not to take life so seriously as we should. But Solomon just told us, what did he say? He says, it's better to go to a funeral than to go to a party. And you're going, wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. No, 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 no. No, because when we go to a, a, a funeral, when we go to these things, reality actually sets in and we know and we see our destiny. And we can take life seriously, but take life seriously in the way, honestly, where I believe he's trying to tell us is to walk by faith and to enjoy every moment. He tells us, eat, drink, enjoy the moment because life is going to go fast. And when we see, and we see our loved one and they're gone and they're not here anymore, ooh, well, that does something to us. Wow, it, it, it makes us, and, and, and I think about this. And I think of funerals. I think of funerals and, and how people don't take them in, in what Solomon is saying seriously. Because I'll never forget, I went to a funeral. I won't tell you who it is, but it was the most bizarre funeral I've ever been to. Because it was a, it was a relative of Nathalie's, um, and when he died, he died of cirrhosis of the liver because he drank a lot. You go, okay, what's the point? At the funeral, we walk into the graveside and they, the family busts out a case of beer at the funeral. I'm sitting there like this in my face and, and they all... Oh, they all open and they want to toast one to the dead guy. And I'm like, he. <laughs> and I was like, wow. You see, that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us in Psalm 90, verse 12, jot this down. It says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Oh, church, if the Lord Jesus tarries, we're all going to take that final bow. And it's okay. But, but number your days. Number your days so you have a heart of wisdom. If you, well, anyone here, as you start growing in the Lord, you should be growing in grace, not growing in bitterness grandkids and kids and people should all come to your house and just feel like they can kick off their shoes and just enjoy because they just you just have this grace you just have this grace the bible teaches guys that it's better for you to spend time at funerals than festivals he says for you're going to die and it's a good thing to think about while there's still time. There's still time. 
one of the strangest things is that, is that in all the funerals that I've done, there have been not many people that tell me to give them an invitation to accept Christ. And I think that would be the perfect time when people are contemplating death and you go, hey, if you're going to, if you're going to live, you need to do this. You need to accept Christ. But getting a good grasp on death, doesn't it allow us to really live? Understanding it, not fearing it, not, not being like, well, I'm not going to face that. We go, yeah, amen. So let me ask you a question. How many of us really live today like we're dying? Full on, Jesus, amen, worship, everything. We forget that we're dying and therefore we allow bitterness and ugliness and arguments to come into our lives and into our hearts and into our homes. But if we were to really live like we're dying, there's a lot of grace and mercy in there, isn't it? There's a lot of grace. But it goes on. Grandpa still looking at us. Coffee's still warm, okay? Um, he looks at us, same line of thinking. He says in verse 3, Sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad continence the heart is made better. The word sorrow there is vexation, and it means to grieve sorrow, and it means wrath. And it means wrath. The New Living says it like this. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. Okay, so note, note this. Note what Solomon said. Godly sorrow, guys, godly sorrow churns up all the things that we're forced to deal with. Things that hinder our hearts from being healed. Now again, Solomon is not presenting us with an either or, but he's asking for balance. He's asking for balance. And he's going to expand on this in verse 4. He says, The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of mirth. Catch what he just said. This is deep. Okay, let me try to explain what he just said. He said, When it comes to sorrow, when it comes to grief, when it comes to frustration or pain or even death, whether God sends them or we walk into them, he says, you are wise if you allow these things to do surgery in your heart and remove the things that keep you from coming to Jesus, that keep you from healing, that keep you from walking close. Let, let me say that again, guys, because it's deep. Here's why. When it comes to sorrow or grief or frustration in this life, or even pain and death, we're wise to allow these things to go, okay, Lord, do what you need to do so that I can have healing in my heart. So I can find healing. So I can have those things. That, because, because here's the thing. You and I, we're really guarded in our hearts. Okay, we really guard our hearts because it hurts. And when we've been hurt, we're really guarded. But Jesus is the only one that can touch you in a place that can only bring healing. He's the only one. Because most of all, well, I, I'm talking to somebody and, and we may get past it a little bit, but true healing comes when we allow the Lord to go, okay, Lord, whatever you need to do right now, whatever, this, whatever I'm going through, and you allow to bring 
healing. The problem is, and let's be honest, in church tonight, guys, a lot of us, we walk with broken hearts because we don't allow the Lord to heal them. I know I don't. I know I'm scared. I don't want to live up, I don't want to live in the past. I don't want to, I don't want to dredge up all my mistakes and everything else. I don't, I don't want that. But, but am I fully living and walking close to God? No, I'm not allowing those things to, uh, I'm not drawing, I'm not walking close with him. But he's patient and he's loving and he begins to knock and he says, hey, let me, let me heal that area. You and I, if I asked you to, if I asked you to write an essay of your, your, your whole life, all the mistakes you've ever made, the mistakes, you would, you would, we'd be, we'd, we'd have, we'd have sheets and sheets of just mistakes of, of stuff that you go, I can't believe this. I, 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 I knew better and, and, and we've had those mistakes. But the Lord wants to heal us of those things. He wants to heal us. We have to let him. And, and again, he, here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, a wise person, he goes to the house of mourning. You go, okay, well, what does that mean then? What, is that, what does that mean? In your sorrow, grief, or prostration, or pain, or death, you surround yourself with family and friends who will pray with you, who will walk with you, while God's dealing with the issues. That's what it means. Or, we can choose the second option. You go, what's that? Well, Solomon says, well, you could do that, or you could run to the house of mirth. You go, wait, what does that mean? Well, mirth here means blithe or glee. But God just called the person who does that a fool. And you go, why, why? Because mirth can be for us anything. It could be a strip club. It could be a bar. It could be anything that we use to hide the pain. So it could be anything. So what the fool does, instead of running to the Lord for hope and healing, ooh, ready? This is good. You're going to see it. It's going to jump out at you. He numbs the pain with any vice he can do, any vice he can make. He numbs that pain. Well, what, 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 how do I numb the pain? One is alcohol. Alcohol. You see, alcohol is very interesting. I was talking to my best friend, and he shared his testimony when he, when he was here just a little bit as he led us in worship. But he was saying, you know, one drink, two drinks, hey, I want to I wanna feel better. I hate, I hate what's going on. And it led him to more and more and more and more and more and more. And it... And it takes you farther than you ever want to go. And so we have to be careful. Because nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, Hey, you know what I think? I think I'm going to have some alcohol tonight. And I think I'm going to drink. And, and uh, by next week, I'm going to be a full-blown alcoholic. That's not how we see. That's not how we think. But we have to be careful. What are we hiding from? You go, what other things? Well, if it's not alcohol, it's drugs. It's drugs. And you go, Yeah. Those drugs, we need to keep them off the streets. But we've got to be careful. And if we're being honest in church, it's not only the illegal drugs, but it's the legal drugs that can help us hide from our pain as well. And we've got to be careful. This is why the doctors are so careful not to prescribe the hard narcotics because you get addicted to that. And next thing you know, that's what you're taking. But you go, Ben, I don't have a problem with drugs or alcohol. I'm good. But a lot of us hide the pain through relationships and through friendships. A lot of us hide the pain through career. 
I'm just going to work. I'm just going to do that. Or power or even pleasure. A lot of people hide the pain through pride. They pat me on the back. I'm the best at everything. This is who I am. If I'm not the best at everything, then I don't even want to try. Listen. What happens to you when you go to the doctor and all he does is treat the pain? Well, it means you can't be cured. In the same way, when all we do is numb the pain, then the Lord cannot heal us. And what Solomon is saying is that you need to run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. He says, rebuke is better than praise. Look at verse 4 one more time. The heart is wise in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Okay, go on to verse 5. It's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Rebuke is better than praise? Absolutely. Why? Because the word rebuke there is a reproof, a chiding, and a rebuke. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to ask yourself one question very honestly. Are you okay with rebuke? Are you okay when someone corrects you? Are you okay when someone um, lovingly reproves you? You go, why? Well, again, what did he say? It's better, it's better to hear the rebuke of the wise. You go, well, Ben, I'm not sure what he says. Well, let me say it like this. It's better to be criticized, if you will, by a wise man. And listen, this is a tough verse. Why? Because in order to be rebuked or reproofed or corrected or even uh, lovingly criticized... We have to allow people to speak into our lives. That's hard. That's hard, church. Because oftentimes it hurts. It hurts. And that's a strong, that's a strong term, reproof, reproof, rebuke, because it means that a wise person or persons can come and actually point out some destructive behavior in you. And sometimes in our pride-shaped heart, we say, well, I've been, I've, been, I've been walking with Jesus for more, longer than you've been born. And in our pride, we don't see and, and we forget and we don't allow that. But when we allow someone to speak into our lives, and you've got to find that one who lovingly will do this. That's what he's saying. But let's be honest. Let's be honest, guys. Most of us hate this. And when someone begins to criticize us, even if we allow them to, Rosa, even if we allow them, we get defensive. We get defensive. Okay? And we get so defensive. When a friend rebukes us, our initial reaction is denial. No, I don't. No, I don't act like that. No, this is not what I'm doing. We, we, we just completely deny it right off the bat. There are times when my wife will correct a behavior in me and we end up in a fight because it's denial right off the bat. Are you kidding me, Nathalie? And I get... And, 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 and sometimes we just shut down. And we don't say anything. 
But in our hearts, we're, we're, we're in denial. The second thing we do, guys, is we, we, we want to get it off me and onto you. Well, let me tell you what you're doing. Well, let me share what you're doing. Well, I don't know if you know this about you. Well, I don't know if you remember back in 1975, you did this, this, and this. Oh, you remember that? <laughs> well, yeah. Guys, we get defensive. We, maybe we blame someone else. Now, let's be silly. Let me be silly for a moment. Sometimes we blame my mom, you know, pinned my diaper too tight when I was a little baby. That's why I'm like this. You go, Ben, that's silly. Isn't it silly? But we do, we blame. Where did that come from? Genesis, right? Adam, Eve, the woman you gave me, Lord, talk to her. <laughs> Eve, what did you do as a snake? We just, we just passed the blame right away. I wonder what it would have been like, and I always ask the what ifs, I wonder what it would have been like if, if Adam said, Lord, I am so busted, I am sorry. Will you please forgive me? It was me. I, I, I willingly partook when Eve gave me that, knowing it was wrong. Eve, what do you think? It was me, Lord, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have been talking to the snake. But we don't, do we? And I think we can learn from that. But guys, if we're, if we're sensitive to the Spirit and, and a loving brother or sister whom we trust speaks into our lives and we know they're right, then we can be like, you know what? Let me just take a moment. You know what? You, you might be right. And then and what it should do is produce godly repentance. Repentance. I am a firm believer that if a Christian isn't constantly repenting and changing, I think we've got some pride stuck in us. You know, because I want you to think about your life. We're not perfect and we mess up. And so, so we're on, honestly toward, you know, being married and not married and, and all this. We should, we're constantly should be saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so, please forgive me. I need to repent of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know it works in my life that way. So it's better to hear a wise person's rebuke than to hear the flattery of fools. Why? Because nobody wants to be praised by fools. Nobody wants to be praised by So we need to ask ourselves, who do we run with? Who do we run with? Are we running with those who are wise and want to encourage us and can speak life into us? Let me ask you a question. If you were about to fall off a cliff and your friend rebuked you harshly, would you be mad at him? No. Oh, thank you. Thank you for... I didn't... Oh, thank you. Can you imagine? You're about to fall and die, and, the, and your friend says, Hey, you're going to die! And you go, Don't... What about you? You're going to die too, and, and, and we just get weird. It's the same way. And so, who do we run with? Well, let me ask you a question. Show me your friends and I'll show you who you really are. And I pray your friends are godly and they're lifting you up and they're praying for you and they're crying with you and they're laughing with you. And I pray that they're challenging you to, to, and they're pushing you closer to Jesus. 
That's who I pray. I pray if you're married in here tonight, your husband would be pushing you closer to Jesus. Your wife would be encouraging you closer to Jesus. Would be, would be saying, I'm proud of you. You've come a long way. Wow. <laughs> wow. Because we can look back. We can look back at our spouse and we could say, I remember when they weren't in the Bible. I remember when they would argue in the Bible. I remember when they were, I remember when they weren't saved. And, and I'm taking that for granted now because they are saved and I want to encourage them that way. Hey, keep going. Keep going. Verse 6. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so laughter of the fool, he says, so is laughter of the fool. This is also vanity. Okay, let's, let's talk about this verse for a moment. I want you to grasp the weight of this verse. Solomon just said, wise people don't laugh when they're on fire. You know what wise people do? They scream. I'm on fire! That's what they do. But a fool laughs while his world falls apart right in front of him. Right in front of him. Now remember what we've said. You can be anything you want to be just don't be a liar. You go, what does it mean? Oh, maybe you've heard it this way. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And that's the scary part of church. Because we come in and then we go, I'm fine. I'm good. Amen. Praise the Lord. How you doing, brother? I'm good. And you're not. And you're broken. And, you're, and you just need the Lord. And it's okay to come in and go, man, I'm I'm broken. I'm broken. I messed up. I need Jesus, man. I need him. You know, it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. And again, I want you to think about it like this for just a second, guys. I want you to think about this. In our culture, we have been trained to put on a front. And we got to be careful. My father-in-law, you guys know we're praying for him. And uh, so, so many months back, I made a trip to New Mexico, and I took my father-in-law a, a little, one of those bikes, you know, one of those little bikes that you can exercise on, and I took it in the house, set it up for him in the living room. He loved it. He got on that, he'd get on that bike, but, but he wouldn't get on it every day. You know what I mean? It was there, and, and it was a good, most like our exercise bikes, it was in there, and it was nice to see, and and uh, so I was in the room when my father-in-law was talking to the doctor, and he's in the hospital, and the doctor comes in, and he's like, so, you know, Mr. Pat, how are, how are you doing? You know, how, how are you feeling? Well, I feel pretty good, except I fell. And, and, and he goes, and he says, and I've been on that, I've been on my exercise bike every day, and, and we're all going. <laughs> and we look at each other, and eyes roll back like, Dad, why did you lie? Why do we? Why would we go to a doctor and what do you tell the doctor? How do you feel? I feel great. No, you're in the doctor for a reason. <laughs> you know? Because we're in our culture, we're, we're always taught to put up a front. I'm okay. You're okay. And, and Solomon in the word of God is declaring to us. No, no, no. We've got to be careful that we're not sitting here going, hey guys, I love Jesus, so my life is perfect when really our house is on fire. 
But be careful. Be careful because, to be honest with you, when you go to somebody, Tiffany, you go to somebody, you go, hey, Tiffany says, Pastor Ben, how you doing? Man, I'm a mess. I'm broken. This is happening. This is happening. And Tiffany goes, you know, she's like, well, I wasn't expecting that. I'm expecting the, I'm good. Good. How are you, Tiffany? And we got to be careful because when we ask somebody and we really want to engage, don't be surprised when they go, I'm really broken and I'm really hurting and I'm really, this is what's going on in my life and I need you to pray. And, I, and, and you know, and you go, okay. Okay. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Solomon says when it's all said and done, he says this too is meaningless. Well, Grandpa's getting tired. Uh, Grandpa Joe's getting tired. I can see him back there. And he's going to take a nap, but he doesn't want us to leave. He says, I- I've got some more stuff to tell you, but I'm going to go take a nap, and uh, I'll, I'll warm up the coffee when you get back. So we're going to close in verse 7, okay? And we'll talk about it more in two weeks. Look at verse 7. He says, Surely oppression destroys a wise man's reason, but a bribe debases the heart. He says, Beware of the easy routes, for they often become expensive detours that are difficult and painful. And isn't that true in life? Beware of the easy routes. Solomon says the wise man um, is turned into a fool by a bribe, but it destroys his understanding. Isn't that amazing? We have to be careful. We have to be careful. I understand wanting to bargain for a deal, you know, trying to get the best work for your money. I understand that. But when we go through an easier route, what happens? It ends up costing us more money in the long run, doesn't it? Solomon said that. It cost us more. They hand you a bill and you say, this is what it's going to be. And you're like, are you kidding me? But you've got to be careful. Why? Because Solomon said, hey... And surely oppression destroys the wise man's reason and a bribe debases his heart. All right. Whether you have to work on the inside rather than the outside or we have to grasp that going to a funeral means we have to take a good hard look at ourselves or maybe God is working on some issues in our heart tonight that we need his counsel. We need our family and our friends to pray and to walk with us. Or maybe we just heard that we need to allow people to speak into our lives to help us grow. Whatever the Lord spoke to you about tonight, remember, this is good wisdom so that we gain an understanding heart and we can look above the sun for our help. And allow God to work and to let people pray. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for your word, the truth in your word. We thank you that we've had just solid wisdom, practical wisdom. Father, you know that Solomon wrote a lot of the Proverbs because he speaks the same way. 
he gives a compare and contrast, and then sometimes he's just balancing out the both. But Lord, as we leave tonight, I pray that each one of us here would have a heart of understanding. Father, not that we have a death wish, per se, but that we would have peace in whatever you have for us. And that, Lord, this church, these people, myself, would love each other to the extent, loving each other to the extent, God, of, of being pleasing to you. That we would take a good hard look at our lives and say, Lord, where can I grow? What needs to be healed? And allow you to do the work. So, Lord... As we close out tonight's study with a song, may it not just be a song. May it not be, okay, Lord, it's almost time to go home. But that we would do work with you and we would ask you and we would come to you in all honesty and sincerity and say, Lord, show me. Show me my blind spots. Help me to grow in you. Help me to follow you. Thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you, Grandpa Solomon. And we ask these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.